Well, it's a privilege this morning to give the Christmas message. Um, I do it for my family every year. And I've done it for years. We have a, a long time in the Word, and it's a privilege. And so let's ask God to lead during this time and give us ears to hear. Father, sometimes uh, we have different expectations of a Christmas message. We want to hear what we've heard over and over, or maybe we have a pet part of it. But give us ears to hear you and hear you from our passage in Matthew 1 and Matthew 2. You are a great God. We want to honor you in our time in the Word today and want to honor you this Christmas season. And Father, if we have an opportunity to share Christ this Christmas, that makes it even more valuable. So we commit the time to you in our Savior's name. Amen. Well, we have a lot of ground to cover in Matthew 1 and 2, and I'm not going to cover all of it. But I will start in a key verse, what I consider key. I just went through Matthew not long ago in my own quiet time, and I knew this was coming up. And so I just sort of asked the Lord to speak to me, and he did. And so chapter 1, Matthew, uh, verse 17. Now, this won't grip most people. Most people are not gripped by genealogies. I am. I am. So let's read what it says in verse 17, Matthew 1. Therefore, all the generations from Abraham to David were 14 generations. And from David to the deportation to Babylon, 14 generations. And from the deportation to Babylon to the time of Christ, 14 generations. Interesting. 14, 14, 14. And we're going to see the number 14 two other times. And notice now, I want to read the first verse of the genealogy, first two verses. The book of the genealogy of Jesus Christ, the son of David, the son of Abraham. Notice, it starts with Christ, goes to David. does not start with Abraham. This is the genealogy of Jesus and it mentions David. Why? Because Matthew's writing to the Jews. David was the Davidic covenant. So they were expecting a king. And then we have Abraham. The promises given to Abraham were universal and included Gentiles as well as Jews. And these genealogies are always interesting, but notice with me, there are four women mentioned. And in the Jewish genealogies, they don't normally mention the women. And the first woman mentioned is Tamar. She was the wife of one of Judah's sons. She was a widow. The second one is um, 
trying to see it. Verse 5, Rahab. And we know who Rahab was. She was a Gentile and a prostitute. And the third woman we see mentioned is Ruth. She was also a Gentile. And a widow. And lastly, the last woman mentioned is interesting in verse 8. And David was born to Solomon by her who had been the wife of Uriah. Bathsheba is not mentioned by name. She's mentioned as related to Uriah. And what's so magnificent about that All the people here in this genealogy are all sinners. And if you go back and study their lives, they all had a serious problem in some time. For instance, David. We all think about David. His big fault was he had Uriah killed. And he did. But do you realize he also created mass murder because the men that went with Uriah were killed at the wall. So God's grace covers it all. It doesn't make any difference how bad our sin or how little it. It covers it all. And what's neat about this genealogy is I was studying this genealogy a week or two ago. I always start early on difficult passages. I broke down in tears. There were tears coming from my eyes. I was choked up because I reflected on my genealogy. My great-grandmother was a believer. My grandmother was a believer. My father was a believer. I'm a believer. My kids are believers. My grandkids are believers. They were tears of joy. Tears of joy, thinking about that. And the other people I have introduced to Christ over the years, and I hear from them how their kids and their grandkids, there are tears of joy. There should be tears of joy as we think through and give thanks to God for the genealogy that we all have that's unique. Catch this. It is a testimony that God has always been with us. He has always been with us. In Hebrew, the letters of David's name, or the letters of the alphabet, have numerical value. Did you know that? No, a statistician will know that. But they have numerical value. The three letters of David's name have three values. Four, six, four. Total sum, 14. So we have again that number 14. 
And that's not coincidence. And what I, when I started this passage, starting in Matthew 1.1 to Matthew 2.23, there are 14 supernatural events as well. 14 of them. Now, most people, when they do the Christmas story, they spit it all in Luke. And we'll get to Luke a little bit. But I really like the Matthew account. And so I listed them in your notes. The genealogy of Jesus, that's a supernatural event. For almost 2,000 years or more, God had been sovereign and protected Jesus' lineage. Jesus is the Messiah from the details in this genealogy. That is miraculous. That displays the whole character of God being displayed and protecting that. Then the second instance is Mary, found with child by the Holy Spirit, predicted by Isaiah 7.14. Behold, a a virgin will be with child and bear a son, and she will call his name Emmanuel, God with us. See, what Matthew does in writing under the power of the Holy Spirit, he communicates God with us in the genealogy, and then he communicates it from the Old Testament, and then so forth. Joseph, verses 19 and 20. He desired to put her away secretly. He was a righteous man. He did not want. You know what the penalty for having a child out of wedlock was being stoned. But the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream. Ah, another supernatural event. Angel of the Lord appears. He says, do not be afraid to take her as your wife. Her conception is of the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, be called Jesus who will save his people from their sin. We can't save ourselves. We need a Savior. And his name, Emmanuel, God with us. That's the third one. Fourth one is Joseph's obedience. And why is that? He had no precedent for what was happening. I think the most amazing thing when I talk to men and women who've known the Lord and I I find out about their faith and how they're doing and what God has done, I'm amazed at the times their faith has been strong. They've had no precedence. A son caught in drugs. A family going through disheval because of dysfunctionality. All those things. There's no hope. But yet God intervenes and draws people to himself. Joseph's obedience is very refreshing. Well, let's see what else. That's only number four. We've got ten more to go. Number five, Jesus was born in Bethlehem. That's what we were talking about in the song. And it was predicted in Micah 5.2. That's a supernatural event too. But you do you know that the word Bethlehem in Hebrew means the house of bread. And in the house of bread, 
was born the bread of life. See, God's placement of Jesus in that place was not an accident. It was appointed. Six, wise men came from the east. We all think there's three. It's really not known. We think there's three because there's three gifts. We just don't know for sure. But they came from the east, head, and west. And the scriptures tell us to worship the king of the Jews. They had come many miles, many miles, probably in the thousands. But Herod was only six miles away from where he was born. He was going to come to destroy him. And the priests that were in Jerusalem, they ignored him. Wow. Not much has changed, has it? And the word used here for child is not a babe in a manger. As you see here, this child is in a house. He's in a house. So most likely he was a year or so old in age. And this is why Herod went out to destroy all the young males two years and less. Now, if you go to Luke, and we won't turn there, but Luke 2, 21, 24 notes that Joseph and Mary gave the offering of two turtle doves or young pigeons when they presented Jesus as firstborn. That was the offering of someone who was poor. So the money and the frankincense and the myrrh came Afterwards, See, we, we never get the timetable right. But there's one other thing. Look with me at verse 9 in chapter 2. And having heard the king, they went their way, and the star which they had seen in the east went on before them until it came and stood over there where the child was. It sort of seems like the star appears again, but it heads south. Bethlehem is south of Jerusalem. Unusual star. And so the wise men, the gifts they gave, and it's one of the songs just we've just sang, they gave gold for a king, because he was a king. Frankincense for, for deity. It was used in the, the temple. And myrrh, prepare for burial. All hints of what was going to happen. Just little things. God is a God of little things. He pays attention to all the detail. We just gloss over it. Coincidence. These are not coincidences. And notice now what happens then. 
The eighth one, the wise men are warned by God in a dream to go home another way. God's in there again. Don't go back. And then says verse uh, 14 and 15, Out of Egypt my son will be called. Hosea 11.1 1 predicts that. So they're going to go to Egypt. And then shortly after that, 2.16 and 17, they indicate the killing of the two-year-old males in less in Bethlehem. Now, I, I did some searching on commentators. A lot of times we think there must have been hundreds and hundreds of young, young males killed. But from some of the things I read, the, the population of Bethlehem was probably no more than 5,000. And so the number of children might have been somewhere between 10 and 50. One is too many. One is too many. And then the angel appears to Joseph in a dream, telling him to return to Israel. Notice that's recorded in verse 20, 22. Return to Israel. And then as he heads there, or 19 and 20, as he heads there, He's warned by an angel again in a dream to go to the regions of Galilee. Look at all the interaction Joseph has with angels of the Lord. There's just a lot going on. And this man still responds accordingly. He had a great wife. And then lastly... The 14th one, he came and resided in a city called Nazareth that was spoken through the prophets might be fulfilled. He might be called a Nazarene. Now, I'm not real sure on that, but I do remember, do you remember in John chapter 1 when Nathaniel saw Jesus and he said, was there any good thing that ever came from Nazareth? Yeah, one good thing, Jesus. So it's, but we do know Isaiah 53. If you're not familiar with Isaiah 53, read it, because it shows what this suffering servant was going to pay. The, enemy, the enemies of our Lord thought that he came from Galilee, that's what they thought. Nazareth. But all they had to do was go and check the temple records. They would have found he was born in Galilee. Notice they ignored the data. And that's a dangerous thing to do. They ignored the data. Well, let's look at some of the thoughts I have here. Not many. I thought about not putting any. The faith of Joseph here and Mary and Luke must be commended since there was no precedent for what God asked them. 
Faith in a great God needs no precedent. I ask you to find some time today to reflect through your life of occasions where there was no precedent to do what you were to do. And God called you to do something. I've had a lot of instances like that in my life. In a PhD program, leaving it with one course to go, go to a place that was like going to the other most parts of the earth, and went. God honors that kind of faith. He really honors that. And we all go through those occasions. So reflect on them. In fact, I would encourage you, if you haven't, write down a record of them because they will really encourage you. It would be something to pass on to your kids. My kids all know our story, and I want them to know the story so they can make it their story. Number two, an awareness of God with us in history, in our nations, in our families, in our own lives, is a real encouragement to walk by faith and to pass on our faith to others. If we have that kind of awareness, and that's how Matthew started this gospel, the awareness of what God was doing, protecting the lineage of Jesus all the way. He keeps us rejoicing in his choice of us. May we honor him in all. The message to Joseph from the angel was that he would save us from our sins. There were no other specifics, but Isaiah 53 does give us more details. But if you study the disciples, particularly the Gospel of Mark, you'll see that three times Jesus went through and tried to explain to the disciples he was going to suffer and die and be raised again. Three times, and they missed it. It did not fit their preconceived ideas. God usually, and I marked out in my notes now, usually fills in the details if we lay aside our presumptions. He does. We just got to give him time. There's still the same response to Jesus today to destroy all that's true of Christ, to ignore him in his words, or not to seek to worship him with all our heart, mind, strength, and soul, as the wise men did. Isn't it neat? Those men came thousands of miles, following a star. The men and women in the genealogy were not, in the genealogy were not perfect. They are sinners just like us all. They desired to walk by faith for the most part. Hopefully, these words will challenge us all to live supernaturally. That's how we have to live. We live in a time that darkness is probably worse than it's been in a long time. And we've got to live a different way. Finally, and not really finally, most people want to keep Jesus Christ in the manger since a baby seems to be no threat. But a crucified, buried, and risen Savior is a threat since he's God in the flesh with us who will demand a choice of believing in him and his work for us or not. Or not.
Remember the words of the, the angel of the Lord in Luke 2 to the shepherds in the fields. He said, do not be afraid. Think about it. We don't need to be afraid if God is with us. And if we know that God is with us, if we live our life as God is with us, if we're practicing the presence of God and the interface with him and all his character, there is no reason to fear. And I will bring you good news of great joy. It's still good news of great joy. It's not... What was that? Huh? It's still news of great joy. It will always be news of great joy. For today in the city of David, there's been born to you a Savior who is Christ the Lord. He is our Savior. We can't save ourselves. Never could. But he came as a babe. Died on a cross to cover our sins, but he didn't stay dead. He's alive. May that be our message for Christmas. Father, it's a joy to reflect on how great you are through time. You have always been in control of time. Man keeps thinking we're in control. We can do what we want. But you use our actions and wrong things and good things to accomplish your will, to exalt our Savior. And we pray that we'll live lives that will exalt him more and more. In his name we pray. Amen.